to Horrible Friends. It's a podcast in book club format about horror movies, kind of in a book club format. Either way, uh, we're going to go ahead and start off by naming each other. My name is Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And this week we have Alien from 1979. The OG, the, the literal probably king of most of the horror movies that we've actually watched on this uh podcast and listened to i guess uh it, it was uh brought to us uh by ourselves because we love this movie it it was fantastic um i'm gonna start out now fuck this this movie's great uh dan do you want to give us some uh, history on this movie no nah, fuck that that's the end of the podcast end of show go go roll it <laughs> thanks for stopping by have a horrible time <laughs> 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 didn't even finish your thought. Even, Thank you, Chris. Even Chris couldn't finish it. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, we're going to talk a little about the history. We're going to talk about the plot. We're going to talk about the uh, special effects. Definitely going to talk about special effects. And we're going to talk about the sound probably maybe a little bit. And then um, our own little take on it. But starting off, Dan, give us a little bit of history on this thing. All right. So Alien 1979, the director of this is Ridley Scott. You may know him. Uh, man, I really went Troy McClure right there. You may remember Ridley Scott from such films <laughs> as Blade Runner, Gladiator, and oh my god, is that G.I. Jane? G.I. Jane? Yeah, G.I. Jane. You don't know G.I. Jane? Mm-hmm. I didn't watch that, no. It's a good flick. It's to me more just saying, suck my dick. Suck my dick. I love it. Yeah, yeah that's a solid that, movie. Yeah, it's great. All right, so the writers on Alien, we have Dan O'Bannon, who's known for doing things such as Dark Star, different movies in the Alien uh, series, most notably is probably the sequel to Alien, which is Aliens, uh, and The Return of the Living Dead. We have Ronald Shusett. I believe I'm saying his name right. I apologize if I'm not. Um, Again, known for doing many of the Alien sequels, uh, most notably, again, Aliens, the second of that series. Total Recall, and I just wanted to put this, Hemoglobin. Total Recall is a horribly underrated movie. One of Arnold Schwarzenegger's best. Do you think it's underrated? I've never thought of Total Recall as an underrated movie. I mean, it's looked down upon as like just a cheesy space movie. Okay. Because it is, though. Underrated movie, as I was saying... There's a woman with three breasts. They go to Mars and give the people <laughs> air. And and there's a really crazy scene where they're all like dying in space and they're all like hyperventilating for like five minutes straight, right? As they like cut That's away from the them quickly. That's because the people need air. Give the people their air. <laughs> so the runtime of this movie is 117 minutes. The budget of this is $11 million. But at the box office, this made... Oh my god, 106.3 million? Ooh, unfucking real. Do you know that the 11 million dollars it was made in 1979 is equivalent to 42 million dollars by today's standards? This was a huge budget movie and you could really say it. Uh yeah, no no joke like watching this movie reminded me of uh how good movies could be and how well they could stand up and oh boy. Fun fun fact because um my my friend and I apologize if I know Chris had some facts about this movie. I highly doubt this is what your fact was, but 
Um, I apologize if I if I pulled the rug out from under you, Chris. Um, but um, fun fact about like the actual alien and like the special effects of it is my friend and I are doing a book club and this was the next movie on our book club as well. Um, and he was telling me that for some of like the slimy like look of the alien and like how it's real sticky, they used unused condoms for it, like the silicone from it. And like that helped to give it like that stretchy kind of like gooey kind of look to it. Hot. I would, mm, I would hope gross. if you're cheating on us with another book club, you would be using condoms. <laughs> Unused. So, so you're, not, I, you're not using protection while you're cheating on us? No, I'm t- prior, well, I don't, I don't know how this conversation's going. Just tell me what to say. I think they should have used used condoms. <laughs> If you want the real slimy look, you gotta go with the used condom. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this movie would be a much different movie if when it opened its mouth to uh, release the other head, it wasn't a head. It was just a used condom every time. This would be a very different movie. Or it was just a dick. <laughs> or just a dick. I'm sure that that has been made into a porno. I, I'd be I'm sure they thought about it during filming. Like, hey, what, what if we put a dick in there? What if we put a dick in there? <laughs> All right, so the other movies from 1979, there were actually some pretty good ones. Uh, we had the Amityville Horror, The Visitor. I don't even want to say other movies that we could have watched because this was probably top, top tier. This had to have been top tier. But Amityville Horror, The Visitor, and When a Stranger Calls. I'd say When a Stranger Calls and Amityville Horror. Are both good movies, but I, be- I think Aliens better than both. Hands down, agreed. The film location of this was done in England uh, specifically because I like to shout out the, the towns and cities that it was done in. It was done in London, Berkshire, and Surrey. Surrey, probably Surrey. I'm I'm Americanizing the hell out of that. Pretty sure town. it's Surrey. Uh, Surrey. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Surrey. All right, fine. I didn't Americanize the hell out of it, and I over-corrected uh, on it. So uh, I'll go back to my original. I think it's a... Uh... <laughs> no, that sounds I, right. I don't think it's Icelandic. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Oh, sorry. That, that's that's uh, Suri. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so it's time for your favorite part. It's the taglines. And yeah. you, you all, everyone knows the first one, right? In space, no one can hear you scream. It's beautiful. Classic. It's a great tagline. It is. Like, there's just nothing else to say about it. It's perfect. So here's our second one. Sometimes the scariest things come from within. It's not bad. That's really good. Oh, my Hold God. On. I read Hold that. I, I want to say it's really good. If this was on a different movie, though, it'd be bad, right? I, I mean, what's the other movie about? Like this, that was that was amazing because it points out the iconic scene without mm-hmm. giving away anything. Like that's that, that's great, great marketing. Uh, yeah, that's fair. All right, the next one is it's Alien, the eighth passenger. Meh, I agree. That's the weakest one out of the bunch. Well, <laughs> I got one more for you, but. Uh, the last one is, and I, 
to be fair to this last one, I think it's supposed to go with a movie title um, or like something else. But because all it says is a word of warning. You know what? No, I take it back. I don't think it is. I think that's the type. That's the tagline. It's a word of warning. What's the word of warning? So I think what the word of warning is, because I just had a moment of clarity about it. It's supposed to be the signal that they get in the beginning of the movie. Right. They think it's a distress signal, but in in fact, it's a warning. Mm -hmm. So actually, Uh, I I think that's a badass tagline right there. That's the thing with a tagline, though, is... uh, I was going to say it it's supposed to like give you some sort of excitement about the movie and go into it but if you've never seen say this is like the first time it's 1979 you're walking down the street you see on the uh old-timey uh movie theater that that's the tagline is just a word of warning and you just go about what and that's it right like <laughs> I don't well, think what are it works they trying as a tagline about? Right. I don't know. I, I don't think we should see this movie. Tag- They're trying to warn us about something. But if you look at it retrospectively, great tagline. I think. I think just ominously saying "in space, no one can hear you scream." Perfect. My opinion. I I agree. I think. I think they had two fantastic taglines with "in space, no one can hear you scream," and sometimes scariest things come from within. And yeah, I think. From all the other taglines that we, since we started looking at taglines, I think even having just two phenomenal taglines is amazing marketing. And bravo. Yeah, it really takes the fun out of this game when the taglines are good. I know. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> Everything it really sucks. does kind of pale in comparison to in space, no one can hear you scream. I it's amazing. Make up a really bad one. It, here, here, let's, let's play a quick serious game. Can you think of any any tagline that is more iconic than in space no one can hear you scream? What's the tagline that comes to mind that's more iconic? Just than do that? it. Yeah. What's that from? Nike. That's that's a slogan. Oh. Then Taglines. No. Or maybe like it's alive. Well, so what is that from? What's that from? It's Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, see, okay. I mean, but that could be a lot of different things. Was that, was that just a line from Frankenstein, or was that an actual tagline for Frankenstein? It was a tagline. That was I'm very curious convincing. if that's a tagline. <laughs> I don't think that was a tagline now. <laughs> but anyway, we can move on from it. Just, you know, it's it's phenomenal, like, what that marketing team was able to do with that. Like, just great job. Like, wow. That um, okay, here's here's one, here's one. Houston, we have a problem. Apollo 13. Oh, yeah. wow. That's a really good one. Yeah. That's a good one. That uh, might be more iconic than this. Um might be. Just, I'm not saying it is. I I I cheated. Um just when you thought it was safe to go back in the wall. Oh, yep. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm. That's that a was good one. And that was it's that was, there. was that uh, was Jaws before Jaws. Alien? Yes, Jaws Seven, two. Yeah. and then it was, it was uh, a, what like seventy four was Jaws? Jaws two, I don't know. Yeah, How definitely about? the the latter half of or the front half of the seventies. Jaws two, release what date. Who are you gonna call? Uh, seventy eight. Um, yeah, who are you gonna call? That's good. Morgan Freeman. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're just gonna call Morgan Freeman. 
<laughs> I mean, if I could. <laughs> oh, yeah, if I could, I would. Shit. Uh, how about, do you guys know what this one is? Be afraid. Be very afraid. Are you afraid of the dark? Uh, <laughs> good guess. It's The Fly. Oh. Is that really The Fly? Yeah, supposedly. That's like one of the best body horror movies ever made. We should probably watch that. Jeff Goldblum's amazing in it. Jeff 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 Goldblum's amazing. End of sentence. <laughs> does anybody know? Does anybody know the movie The Ritual? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because the tagline for that one is "They should have gone to Vegas." Is that good? Um, I think with what it's about, because it's all about like I believe it's a bachelor party, and they they go yes. into the wilderness. And mm-hmm. um, so, like, that's what the tagline's basing it off of. It's like, you should have just gone to Vegas. The, who goes into the wilderness for a bachelor party? I, yeah, I don't know. These weird people, I don't know. But I hear the movie's very good, so we should probably watch that, too. Okay. But anyway, let's uh, let's keep moving, because this podcast is going to be five hours if we don't. So, uh, Death Clock. Death Clock, we do that every week. It's very self-explanatory. It marks in at... 57 minutes and 12 seconds. That is when we get that amazing scene. The iconic scene. The chest burster. Oh, it's no. A, Not it's again. A slow, it's like a medium to slow <laughs> Hello, burn. my baby. Hello, my honey. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a medium to slow burn, but man, does it pick up pace. It's like a, it's like a simmer, and then they're like, time to boil, baby. Yeah, it was yeah. later than I remembered, but I almost enjoy it more because of all the time they took to build, uh, which is usually not the case in a lot of movies. Yeah. But this one, it just works beautifully. All right. And with that, um, I'm going to close it out for the intro. And I have nothing clever to say, but I'm going to take over and I'm going to give us our synopsis for this week. So we open with the Nostromo. And it's traveling and it's carrying different minerals. It's a carrier and it's heading back to Earth. And we see the crew is asleep in a cryogenic chamber. But for some reason, they're woken up from their cryosleep. So they are informed as they wake up and they're walking around. They're informed that there's a ship and it's sending a signal. And that's why they're woken up. Um, And due to the fact that they are obligated to legally investigate the signal that they think is a help that they think is a help signal, they have to go and they have to eventually go and check it out. So the thing I really like about the beginning of this movie is how the the ship they're in looks like very industrial and like an actual working spaceship. In a lot of like modern horror movies or space sci-fi movies, the ship is like all white and clean and yes, like what's the word? Uh, that hospitals use sterile sterile very yeah. sterile but this was like this feels like they're in an actual spaceship i agree um but they what what kills these sci-fi movies for me is like the amount of bleeps and bloops that are just so ridiculous and unnecessary like toggles yeah. switches buttons like and, and they don't do that in this like they they keep it kind of true to form to a like a, a lot of actual space vessels um it it just made sense and it seemed like a healthy amount of bleeps and bloops it wasn't overly trekky, you know. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Uh, I I really um, like. I just watched two thousand one Space Odyssey, and what you said, Mike, like that really like that that resonates with me like hard because like 
Space Odyssey was like all like clean and white and everything. And this was very like grimy and like big company owns it. And it's like a manufacturing company and they're like traveling and like bringing all the stuff. To it. So it gave it like a more realistic feel to it. But I also agree with Jarvis. Like it always has the bleep bloops for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, if uh, you don't have the bleep bloops, how are you going to know the computers are working? That's how yeah. they talk to each other. It's like bleep, bleep, bloop, bloop, bleep. <laughs> and I'll say that, yeah, that they're, they're like quote unquote obligation in regards to this thing is just like, it, it's a contract. It's their business contract, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. They, they all wake up and they're like, Ugh, corporate's breathing down our neck. We got to go boys. And it's like, what? You've been asleep for how long? And corporate's still breathing down your neck. Tell me that wouldn't make like a really good hangover four sequence. Like when they <laughs> when they first come out of the cryogenic chamber, Kane is the first one up and he's just like, oh, fuck. And I just imagine like, like making a call. Sharon, yeah, we fucked up. We, we, we fucked up again. <laughs> and somebody else coming out from the other one, just like, there's a lot of, a lot of chairs in here. It's a, lot, a lot of different chairs. <laughs> You know, my, I, I know we're going to, uh, well, I'm telling the synopsis, so I'm telling you, I'm going to kind of like move quickly through this because there's so many things that like we could, we could spend hours talking about this movie because there's so much in depth talk about like character development and like things that are going on in the background of scenes and things like that. But um, Parker has got to be my favorite beginning movie character because he just shows his ability to hustle. He's just always like, Yo, baby, I'm trying to get some more of that money. What the fuck's up with that contract? <laughs> no, that's fair. And like he he turns out to be like the coolest character in, for a chunk of time in this movie. All right. So uh, after they wake up, because, as I said before, they are legally obligated to investigate the signal that's being sent out because they believe it to be a help signal. Um, most of the crew decide to go down to the planet. And it lands in a way that actually damages it. So Parker and Brett, they stay to repair. And Dallas, Kane, and Lambert go to explore. You never go down to the planet to explore. I, I would have been the one that, but you know what? I'm going to stay up on the ship. I'll make sure everything up here is copacetic. You guys go down. Send me some messages. It'll all be fine. What I took away, actually, uh, like before even all this happened, is they go straight to Smoke's. You know what I mean? Like they wake up. Yes, I noticed that too. <laughs> from cryogenic sleep. And immediately it's like, God damn it, I need a cigarette. And it made me think like, Chris, you, Chris, Mike, uh, Dan, you can all be astronauts. This is good. I mean. It's all good, man. Smoking has repaired me with the lung capacity to be an astronaut. <laughs> Shocking, you can smoke in space. They're just not like other movies in this time period where they're smoking in restaurants and nobody bats an eye. These people were smoking in space. And that was like very impressive to show just the time period it was in with smoking wasn't such a vilified act like it is now. Agreed. Well, I mean, you know, I the thing that I took away from this, and I guess I'll say it now because we're talking about the characters, is how stupid everyone but Ripley is in this movie. Like, yeah. at least in the beginning. Like, I, I, yeah, I feel the same way, really. Right? Everyone was so dumb. I'm just like. Wait, what? What? I felt like Mort, Morty in um in Cabin in the Woods when they're like, "All right, we should split up," and he's like, "Really? 
Yeah. Should we? Should is that really the best idea? Right yeah, now? that's how I feel whenever they make a decision. Except for Ripley, they have to consult Mother, and the Mother scene, the Mother room rather, is it borders an unhealthy amount of bleeps and bloops. But I know what they were going for. Like aesthetically, they were like they are inside the brain of Mother. You know what I mean? So like that's what all the blinking lights are about. So I kind of get it. It's almost like the the synapses and neurons firing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That was borderline unhealthy bleep and bloop for sci-fi. I agree with you. I, I think like sci-fi back then, like they always just like 70s, 60s, 80s. They always just relied on like all these blinking lights and were like, all right, let's make crazy sounds. Like you think about the Willy Wonka scene where like yeah. the kid gets shrunken down to the candy bar size. Like there's just like, do, 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 do. What happened to him? Oh, he got shrunk down there. Computers. He's a bunch of bleeps and bloops. <laughs> All right. So uh, as the group, Dallas, Kane, and Lambert, again, they go explore and they end up finding actually a spacecraft that is that is completely uh, derelict and it's abandoned. And um, yeah, we see them move towards that. Uh, they find... Once they go inside, they find a pilot who he appears that or she appears that they've had trauma to the chest area. Seems that something has exploded out of them. Oh, 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 foreshadow. And for some reason, they decide to continue to explore this ship. Um, Mother finally anal- finishes analyzing the signal and suggests that it's not a distress signal to Ash and Ripley. But Ash convinces Ripley to not say anything. Again, Ash, well, for the first time, Ash is the medical person on here. Yep, medical officer. Mm-hmm. Who was I, also like a last minute replacement of the actual like science officer. Oh, right, right, yeah. I think the uh, the alien ship scene is tremendous. It ages so beautifully, um, and it makes for incredible fanfare. Um, skipping way, way ahead uh, about like, 35 years uh 40 to prometheus um the ship looks as good in the original 1979 film as it does in the uh whenever that came out what was it 2015 16 right around there yeah and it's it still looks pretty impressive for 1979 and that's i think that's going to be the majority of my notes is like how impressive things looked for 1979 with the exception of the nostromo um uh what is it like the the additional craft that they took down to the planet yeah can we talk about those effects really quick the only thing about i think the reason that that alien ship like aged so well and even the alien itself aged so well is because like around this time in movies like this they use practical effects and those age a hell of a lot better than CGI because if you watch CGI mm-hmm. in a movie from like mid nineties when they were first starting to get used, it just ages horribly. And the practical effects are the ones you could say, oh, they would do the exact same methods today to do this. I couldn't agree more. The one thing that, in terms of like a practical effect, was like the bottom of the uh, craft that they used to enter the planet. Because if you actually look at it, it is like a string of like lights or several strings of lights. And it is like the um, stage lights that you would see in like theater productions. 
Mm-hmm. No one else caught that? I mean, it did look a little bit cheesy. Not cheesy, but just like poor because you, they're just trying to show the bottom of the ship landing. And yeah, I mean, it was very easily like glossed over. I didn't let it get to me. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that it's it's better off that they that they might have shown just a little bit of of uh, of the time uh, special effect rather than just shaking the camera violently to make sure that you don't look at the special effect that they right. did because <laughs> it's just it's so jarring when they do that, you know. Yeah, like the Nostromo specifically, like uh, there were a few points where I was torn if the, you know, the effects still held up to today's standard, but then like, you know, yeah, yeah, but like you get into like what's inside the ship, the graphics of the topography when they're trying to land and, you know, all the the binary code, the transmissions, it all seemed appropriate. So. Yeah, and it makes it makes up for whatever that might be, whatever issues might be there just very shortly. So. After Ash convinces Ripley not to say anything, uh, we cut back to the explorers and Kane finds a hole that's in this ship and he decides to go down and he explores it and he finds thousands, thousands of large egg-shaped items. Um, And hey, surprise, they are eggs. And as Kane goes to explore one, a face hugger jumps out and it latches onto his helmet and it burns through the helmet, and it attaches to his face. You never go like investigate closer the creepy translucent eggs. Because it's never going to end well for you. And then especially when the facehugger grabs him, he's like, yeah, this is what you get for going through the mist and touching these eggs. So Dallas and Lambert carry the unconscious cane back to the Nostromo. And Ripley sees them coming. Rip- they... They respond to Ripley and Ripley says to them that they cannot come in because of policy that's saying that they have to wait for 24 hours in quarantine before they can enter. There's a big argument back and forth. Dallas, who is the captain of the ship, is yelling at Ripley, saying, I'm overriding your order. You have to let us in. Ripley saying, as the warden, I cannot let you in. And Ash disregards and uh, disregards Ripley and lets them in anyway. All Ash's fault. All of it. Yeah. The whole thing. But as we come to find out that it was all kind of predestined. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> you hear Ripley's the only level-headed one out of anybody because I can understand like you're the captain and you want to get your your colleague and your friend back in the ship because he's got this thing on his face, but you're putting everybody in danger. And that's what happens in a lot of these movies. You wind up trying to save one person and you put everybody else at risk and everybody or well, almost everybody dies anyway. So it's all fruitless. I love the details on the egg too. Like you see the black feral fluid kind of it, like it, it's not even dripping. It's like rising up like the, you, what, the what fluid, the feral fluid. Uh, Chris? Uh-huh. So they bring Kane in to the infirmary. And they cut off Dallas's helmet and see the face hugger that is on his face. They further inspect and find out that it ha- actually has a tube that's going into his throat to feed him oxygen. You see his chest moving up and down and up and down. And they deduce that removing it could actually kill Kane. So um, instead of trying to remove it, Ash attempts to cut its legs off Um but 
acid sprays out and it burns through the floor. So they decide not to do anything with it and they leave it. Um, and I apologize. I did not mention this. It actually has its tail wrapped around his neck. And as they are messing with it, it appears to be tightening and tightening. And can I just say, even 1979 graphics, this thing creeps me out. Pretty compelling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that that scene, uh, I don't know if we would call it like the biopsy scene. I'm not really sure. Um but it's it, what it's what's really interesting about it is it puts the audience in a place that like we're making this discovery along with the crew. It's not exposition. It's not like someone being like, it's not someone telling us what's going to happen or like a warning. Like we're finding out right along with the crew, right? So it's slow, it's deliberate. But what we're actually getting is, I mean, I'd hate to say like character development from the alien, but we're getting an understanding of these the characteristics of this organism, right? Like this is literally the beginning of you know, what became this huge, huge cinematic universe. Um, and I mean, as the acid blood has been a huge part of that, but like it literally bled through like three levels of their ship. So I love how long it actually takes us to kind of like learn about this creature before all hell starts breaking loose. Cause even as something as simple as like the acid, how do you stop the acid? Like it's burning through, like you said, it's burning through floor after floor of the ship and then word is going to start to like eat through the hull when it makes it to the bottom. It's not like you can go down there and stop it by catching it in something because it's just going to melt right through that. Get yeah. dag on Dixie Cup. Dag on Dixie Cup and catch that acid blood. Dude, nothing Brand gets my dick harder so than a fucking sci-fi horror with a pragmatic, believable, <laughs> organic story. <laughs> I thought you were going to say... There's a lot of big words you use there. I thought you were going to say that a Dixie Cup that could... Catch acid. <laughs> Nothing gets my dick harder than a Dixie cup catching acid. A beautiful wax seal on it. That's <laughs> pretty my, sure I sold Dixie cups in a, my past life. I mean, that's one of my favorite actresses is Dixie cups. Oh, the Dixie cups! I love that band. <laughs> uh, they're not called the, the Dixie cups anymore. They're now they're, they're just called, called the cups, right? Yeah, I think they're just called the Dixie cups. Or sorry, <laughs> cups. cups of dick. <laughs> they're not called the Dixie cups. They're called the Dixie cups. <laughs> Yeah, they're just the cups. I right. I will say a uh, small piece of a uh, uh, fun little trivia here for me. I did go see the world's largest Dixie cup. This is not a where fun does that piece exist? Of this is just like no, I have to know <laughs> where right, does that mind. exist? No, 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 it's not. It's it's not fun. Let's keep moving on. How big is the biggest? Yeah, Dixie I have so cup? many questions. No, please, please. I need all of the answers. No, please. Do you please. sit inside it's, of it? It's in California. No, you can't go inside of it. But it, I, I need to know, like, how big is this? Is it like five gallon bucket big, or is it so like Dallas? Do you get the infirmary by big. Ash because the face huggers disappeared? The crew searches for it, and it falls on Ripley and appears to be dead. Sometime later, Ash calls the crew back to the infirmary because Kane has awoken and he appears to be fine. So they decide to go and get some food, and then the thing happens. We are at that 58-minute mark, and Kane begins to choke, and he begins to writhe, and he begins to spit his food out that he's been eating, and he jumps on the table, and then all of a sudden, he's, he starts convulsing, and blood spurts from his abdomen, and the crew is surprised, and he continues to convulse. The crew grabs him, and then out from his abdomen jumps a creature. 
and it kills him as he twitches on the table. So, yeah, this is like one of the most iconic horror scenes of the 70s. Just I'd say if you say cinema. to anybody that's of all time, of all time, well, if you say to anybody that's like a horror fan, you say the chest burst scene, they know exactly what everyone you're knows. About. Everyone knows. I gotta say, like, that there's an interesting contrast between like the acting from Kane, that gentleman absolutely killed, pun intended, that role. Um, like, there is so much pain um with that performance like like we i believe him um but then the the one note is that like when the alien comes out it does look like a biomech dildo let's just let's just call it what it is it looked like a biomech dildo i mean it's not what i would have gone with but i get it but i'm into it yeah no i'm into it and then after it jumped out it sang a little ditty Chris, do you know what that song was? Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. (laughs) For those of you that don't get it, that is the Spaceballs reference of Alien. (laughs) And if you don't get it, then you're dead to us. Um, (laughs) At least Chris Chris and I. I mean, at the very least. (laughs) So they shoot Kane's body out of space. They give him a small funeral. Um, because they are still 10 months from Earth. And after they do this, uh, it's a very nice scene. After they do this, they decide to search for the creature that ran away. Creature's only about the size of a chihuahua, by the way. Uh, So keep that in mind. Uh, If you haven't seen this, I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't seen it, but whatever. Uh, They try to catch it in a net as they creep up in the area. But it is not the creature. It is the best character in the damn movie. It is Jonesy. Oh, Jonesy. Good old Jonesy. Jonesy. Arguably the worst character in the movie. Uh, And I'll tell you why. I will tell you why. Please tell me. Because when they're trying to attract this creature, the alien, later in the movie, they're attracting it by movement. And what happens? The cat throws off the... uh, the calculations with the tracking gun and Harry Connick Jr. goes after the cat because the cat scurries away. They say, oh, we need to catch his cat so he doesn't throw off our calculations again. And Harry Connick Jr. gets killed. So, but for the cat, Harry Connick Jr. lives. So that darn cat, I don't like it. Worst character. Sounds like a survivor to me. Yes, I agree. It also just sounds like Mike's angry at a cat for just existing So anyway, Jonesy was there. They don't catch Jonesy in the net, and Jonesy runs away. So Brett decides that, you know what, I'm going to go catch that cat. I'm going to go catch Jonesy. So he decides to uh, walk towards it, and he enters this giant room that's leaking water. I I never really understood that. It's just kind of raining in this room. Like Alanis Morissette is like constantly singing in this room, and I don't it's really get rain. it. Yep, just just think Kyle singing that over and over and over again, just like that for eternity. That's what this room is. So Brett like takes his hat off, and he's like, "Ugh, I'm gonna drink this water from this mysterious source." Um, and he sees Jonesy. Jonesy kind of hisses and runs again. 
because uh, Jonesy does not want to be picked up. And Jonesy is freaked out by something. So Brett turns around and he sees a giant head and he sees four limbs. He sees an enormous creature stand up taller than him and its big teeth open up and it hisses and it bites his head and it drags him away as he screams and is bleeding. And then all of a sudden it's silent. And you know what? I love the scene because you can actually see the alien before it attacks him. Like it's hidden in the background. If you know what it looks like. It's like a little bit of a genius move by Ridley. Mm-hmm. I I will say that it was great suspense uh, specific to Brett's death. It, that, like there was never any doubt that he'd be like one of the first to go, but very good suspense because it's like check over here, nothing. Check over here, and then as soon as Jonesy starts like, like I was like, oh, this motherfucker's gone. But for the cat, he would have lived. And just to like correct myself, it's Harry Dean Stanton. I I, I said Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, I, know I noticed that, Jr. but it's Harry Dean Stanton. That's how important the guy was to you. You could get his name right the first time. I just let it go because I just thought this just ruins his uh, argument. But I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> so Ash suggests that the creature is actually afraid of fire, since most animals are, and the crew decide to all grab flamethrowers. Or as many as they can. And next, the crew decides that since it's traveling by the air ducts, that if they lure it into a duct, they could force it out of the ship. So Dallas volunteers to go into the ducts, and Lambert decides to use a tracker to check its movements. Dallas goes into the duct. This is... I, I this is the scene I, I messaged all of you guys. I was like, oh my god, this this actually made me jump. Like horror movies never make me jump. This actually made me jump, and it was, in my opinion, the worst looking that the alien could have. Yes. And yeah. so so Dallas is like shooting his flamethrower in every direction. He's going up all these tunnels, and Lambert's like, she's screaming in there, and she's like, Oh my god, it's coming, it's coming. And he goes down and he shoots in one direction. And it's not there. He shoots in the other direction. It's not there. He shoots back in the direction he just shot. And all of a sudden puts its hands out for a hug. And they hug and they love each other. And Dallas is dead. And I jumped. That's not how a hug works. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have have people who hug you in your lives? (laughs) That's cool. No, I do agree with you, Dan. That's probably like visually the, the the worst that the alien looks throughout the entire film. But because of that buildup, I mean, it is it, it's a powerful scene. It is scary, man. Like what good suspense? Like I was, I knew what was going to happen. I I've never seen this movie all the way through, uh, except for this time that I watched it. But I've watched things like I, I don't know if anyone would know what this is, but Angry Alien, which is just a thirty second wrap-up of movies in bunny form it's like kind of funny but i've seen the alien version of it so like i know the scenes that are happening but Mm -hmm. even though i saw it i was still like in suspense my heart was like racing the whole time i'm like oh my gosh what's gonna happen what's gonna i know what's gonna happen what's gonna happen though like it it was great it was fantastic good pacing so uh after dallas uh disappears ripley manages to access the mother console and asked for clarity on the alien, uh, just as Dallas was doing prior. 
And Mother says, like she said to Dallas, basically, she can't tell her. Um, but she does give a little more information. She says that she has special orders not to tell from the science officer. And that the ship has been rerouted and given new directive to ensure the return of the organism for analysis. And the big thing that says is that the crew is expendable. So Ash is then sitting right next to Ripley. And he traps her in the room and he begins to attack her. He starts choking her. He punches her with almost inhuman strength. And he's tackled by the other crews who luckily come into the room because Ash definitely would have straight up murdered her. Uh, and the other members begin to beat him. But Ash is, again, beating them back with inhuman strength. And um, it's not until the crew hits him with a fire extinguisher, which actually decapitates him, <laughs> that reveals that he is a robot that's working for the company. And Ash mocks the chances of survival. And with that, Ripley disconnects him and burns him with a flamethrower. And that's the end of Ash. So just a couple of things. Like it does make sense like that a company would just abandon all other priorities if their crew did come across alien life. Because at that point, you found a new organism you can take back to Earth. And their reasoning behind it was that this this alien was the perfect like organism and they're going to use it as a weapon. So it does make sense that they want to get this thing back and any kind of crew they have is expendable. But at the same time, if you're going to send a science officer that's a robot that's completely compliant, it's going to be looking out for the best interest of the company the whole time, why not just send all robots? That was the only thing that I took out of this scene. Like, why wouldn't they just send all robots? Because, uh, Mike, you forget that capitalism is plagued by this idea that uh, money trumps all. So the crew members are cheaper than the robot. Mm -hmm. So, correct. Since when? I don't see Amazon getting rid of robots to have humans come in. They're trying to replace all the humans with robots. The no, robots first they try to underpay the humans, then they'll correct. build the robots if that doesn't work. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Amazon because like at first I was like, you know, I feel like the Nostromo is just like a subsidiary of SpaceX, you know, a hundred years from now. This movie, by the way, is set in 2122. So we're about 101 years away. Pretty fucking close, huh? Yeah, pretty close. Like it's kind of right <laughs> around the corner. Um, but like what, after I heard like the directive from old Robo Ash, I was like, mm, nope, this is Bezos. hundred percent. This is <laughs> this is. This is Amazon in space. We mine ore now. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos. I completely agree <laughs> that this is like all about just like uh, capitalism and like companies not caring about like their actual employees and stuff like that. Um, but with all that aside, like, can we like, did anyone else just think that Ian Holm just like acted the fuck out of that scene? Like he was a robot, right? Like oh, yeah. the way he moved and the way he like started convulsing almost in his movements, like it was perfect when he grabs the the um the magazine and he crumbles it up in his hand, like that will like stick with me forever. The way he did that. Just crumbling a magazine. Yeah, he sold it, man. I agree. I was like, are, are you, are you going to kill her by a, shoving a rolled up magazine 
down down her throat too but it was like mark zuckerberg trying to drink a glass of water (laughs) (laughs) this this is what humans do is is drink the water (laughs) is this how i'm doing magazines (laughs) i'm doing what you humans do human 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 great (laughs) do you think he was always like that like even in college who, Ian is alien? Eh, no, not. I, I know, like, like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Do you think he was always like the awkward, like non-human type person, or he just became yeah. that after he had like my my I, dude I quantified human beings' faces and said, "Yes, this is what the humans like is pleasurable faces," and then he made the Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> He's a robot. Or at least, at at the least, he's a lizard person. You're a robot, Mark. What if he was a lizard robot? Oh God! What does a lizard robot consist of? Like, what's what's the composition? It's a robot. I'd say half lizard. It's piloted by lizards. Kyle, hit us with it anyway. Anyway, so Parker and Lambert go to get coolant for the shuttle's life support while Ripley prepares the shuttle for launch. Ripley finds Jonesy, good old Jonesy, and grabs him so he doesn't get left behind. While searching for the coolant, a large shadow appears behind Lambert and Parker, and the alien attacks Lambert, and then attacks Parker and kills them both. It's a very dramatic scene. Um, they're both heard over the radios, and uh, Ripley, the last thing she hears is, uh, I believe it's Lambert screaming for help. So Ripley finds the lifeless bodies of Lambert and Parker and makes a run for the emergency door, um, not seeing the alien. She presses the self-destruct mechanism, and Ripley continues to run, seeing Dallas and what could have been Brett in a sticky adhesive that is turning into the eggs dallas begs her to kill him and she obliges so dad i have a to go backtrack a little bit uh so my little i mentioned to you that i had a little bit of trivia uh it regards uh lambert how we just you just hear her scream and that's it and then you just see like a leg later on and from what i read um the reason that's all you see of her death is because they actually ran out of time and money to like finish filming like that exact scene. So they were just like, uh, cut it. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Not the worst place to edit. Cause no, I, no, they did a great job to yeah. fix that. I was honestly very much looking forward to seeing her die horribly. Like she was kind of an annoying character. I was happy to see her go too. Cause to me, she was pretty much, basically a non-character like she didn't have any kind of like importance to the crew you never really get to know what kind of job she has and it's in complete contrast to ripley because she's like the heroine she's strong she's independent she's a leader she's assertive and lambert's just like oh somebody help me we got to get out of here and i don't know what to do and Ripley's always got a plan. She knows exactly what she wants to do, and she makes sure she puts that into motion. Yeah, I would consider Lambert to be like the knee-jerk reaction crew member. Like she's just very like she reacts to things. Like 
you know, something bad happened. She screams about it and slaps Ripley in the face. Um, yep. she, she She's just very a reactionary character. She's the Gasper. Yes. She, <gasps> oh, my God. She is definitely Casper after the alien gets her. <laughs> well, well put. Uh, and, you know, I, I hate, uh, especially in this context, I would hate to agree with Mike. But, I, like, I'm a cat person as much as the next guy. But fuck Jonesy. That cat is a fucking dickbag piece of shit. This uh, Parker and Lambert are dead because Ripley was climbing through all the corridors with that pet carrier like a goddamn alcoholic recent divorcee, like headed to Miami. Like if I was them, I looking down like I would fucking lose it. I'm like, that's why you took forever to get to us. All right. Not to just the cat. To, not to defend. Not to defend the divorcee from Miami with her cat. It's like Jennifer but, Coolidge walking around with a goddamn cat. But why are we why are we attacking the cat and not attacking Ripley? Wasn't it Ripley's decision to go back for the cat and not to go and defend the people who were alive on the there? fucker was running away for like half the movie. So why like, didn't leave they just leave be. it? Yeah, just leave it. So that's the humans' fault. They all wanted to go save Jonesy, which I would have did the same. I would have left all of you guys to die to save that fucking cat. So I'm just saying. I mean. I mean, Mike would have reality, left us all to die a long time ago. Not for, even for the cat. Yeah. yeah, not even for the cat. For like oh, a I'll bag look. of chips. There would have been a bag of Lay's on that. <laughs> <laughs> In reality. You can always get new friends. You can't get new chips. That's fair. I... And, and In reality, <laughs> can you believe... <laughs> That's just disservice. I <laughs> I liked I liked Chris going... <laughs> <laughs> It was Ripley, but believe it or not. Oh God! Hey, <laughs> please that's don't. I to say don't that's, what, that's what you wanted to do. That's there. it. That's the all, whole time. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm okay with it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I don't, I'm not going to say I'm okay with it, but I am going to move on. <laughs> when do you think? When do? You, all right. So like, it's the five of us up in the spacecraft. Like, when do we die? We, oh, we 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 talked about it funny. when Mike so locks quick. us when Mike locks us in like the airlock and jettisons uh-huh. us <laughs> out of space. I I never let anybody that's gotten off that ship on that alien planet back in. I don't care what the science officer tells oh, yeah. me. I'm like, here, go out there and help them out. I'll keep things in here. Here's your tool bag and just do what you got to do out there. And as soon as he's out the door, I'm locking everything down and no one's getting. Yeah, no, tw- you know, yeah, I actually in. see it as um. I saw it. I see it as something not even like an alien situation. Could have landed on a plane. Like I was, I'm just gonna grab like you know like if, uh, it could be like a botanist. Like, I'm gonna get some flowers to inspect. And Mike just locks it. All right, I'm in charge now. We're leaving. Are you kidding? Yeah. You could go out to Wawa and go get a coffee out of the car, and Michael lock the doors, and then he'll drive away without you and be like, "I'm leaving." <laughs> yeah, it's it, this is this is the scene I see. Twelve minutes in. Okay, so it's me. Jarvis and Chris, we're all we all go outside to go investigate. It's just Dan and Mike left inside the thing. We're like, all right, we're coming back in. And Mike's like, don't let them the fuck back in. And Dan's <laughs> like, but they're my friends. And Mike is like, well, you're dead now. And then Dan dies somehow magically. Uh-huh. Yep. And then Mike just flies away. And that's just how this goes. <laughs> but first, end. but first, he puts the cat that Dan brought into the airlock and jettisons it out into space. <laughs> and he <laughs> smiles no and takes off. <laughs> He smiles. He's got his giant cup of soup in the cup holder in his cockpit, and he's got. But flip side, flip side, us four stay in the ship. Mike goes out and explores, and we just leave. 
Or no huh. one goes out of the ship and the five of us are on the ship and we just jettison Mike out. Mm. Oh, okay. I like also one works. of those situations <laughs> better than the or, others. Or all, f- all five of us leave the ship and all that's left is the cat. The cat flies away. I like, <laughs> you know what? I'm okay with that one. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's uh, get this movie done. Oh, actually, I did want to say, did you guys see how Dallas looked? Like when he's like in that adhesive kind of stuff? I thought that was pretty crazy looking. such solid visual effects right and they're all practical effects or not all but the the vast majority of them are practical effects going back to like when we originally talked about it did they just empty out a shit ton of unused silicone fucking condoms all over (laughs) him just poured him on it hold still (laughs) now remember you're gonna be food for all the eggs all right and you're in a lot of pain can can we guys? Can we just break real quick? Um, it's really sticky. It's getting into my eyes. Shut up! <laughs> we only have a few days left to shoot this. We're not even going to be able to shoot that bitch's death from before. <laughs> we got to hurry this along. We spent all the money on all these condoms. <laughs> they got Dallas pinned under five tons of condoms. <laughs> guys, I really can't move. There's five tons of condoms on me. This is yucky, guys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like five, like one out of five of these are used. You're not telling me. I know it's a joke. Brett, I know it was you, damn it. <laughs> you just hear Brett. <laughs> I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so after a brief scuffle with the alien, Ridley and Jonesy make it to the shuttle. Ridley puts Jonesy into a bio bed for hypersleep. Uh, and Jonesy, I don't know if they had a tunnel under that bio bed, but Jonesy pieces the F out. Like she like he is like, nah, I'm not about this movie anymore. Like, I'm I'm fucking gone. <laughs> I'm done here. And they notice that there's something. Well, she notices that there's something in the corner. And the alien has actually stowed away on the ship and is hiding just like it did earlier in the movie when I said that it was hiding in the background of the scene. So Ripley begins to sing, You Are My Lucky Star, as she opens air vents above the alien's heads. And she manages to open one directly above it, and she hurts the alien very badly. The alien looks like it burns off some of its skin, kind of like blows away some of it, its hands all messed up. Uh... And the alien manages to creep up. Somehow it manages to creep up alongside her, even though she knew where it was after she hit it. I think maybe she didn't know where it was. I'm not I'm not actually sure. No, she did because she like she just turns away and just starts singing again. Like, no, you keep your eye on the fucking alien stowaway. (laughs) So Ripley Ripley puts on her spacesuit. Um, like before all this happens and then it creeps up to her, not while it creeps up to her. It's not, she's not like, hang on, let's like, let me pull on the spacesuit. Uh, she puts on her spacesuit before it creeps up to her and it creeps up and Ripley pushes the airlock door open and everything that's not secured goes flying out. And, uh, Too bad Jonesy's not one of those things. Nope. Jonesy's not. Jonesy is safe in an air, <laughs> air pod and Mike couldn't have been more mad and, uh, that's the end of the movie. That's it. No, it's not. So the alien goes flies out, goes flying out. But the alien manages to grab the door and tries to haul itself back in. So Ripley takes a harpoon gun 
and she sends an alien flying into space. Shoots it straight through the chest. So Ripley sits there and she records her final log entry stating who has died, everyone has died, and that the cargo and the ship were destroyed, and that she expects to reach the frontier in six weeks and to be picked up. And she states that this is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo, signing out as she goes into her hypersleep. The end. Some really the fun end. stuff happened there at the end. Yes. Uh, so 100%. you mean the harpoon gun? Yes. Dude, before that, the self-destruct sequence, kind of hilarious. Absolutely yeah. hilarious. Seven, six, three, three. What happened to five and four? Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, your abort Bitch procedure you should not take that long because you, you tried to do the abort procedure like with plenty of time before the, it cuts she off knew the, the rules minutes. yeah it cuts off at five minutes after five minutes i was thinking i was like the, the nostromo kind of reminds me of like you know like a really shitty like delta airline employee it's like ooh, sorry <laughs> there's no going back during the self-destruct sequence after five minutes Ooh, i'm so it's our policy mm, would oh, you like I'm some so complimentary sorry. peanuts mm. like i thought that was fun and then even afterward we get the big payoff of the whole movie we get old ripley with the nipplies am i right boys it no one's no one i'm gonna you're gonna let me die out here because <laughs> you're just gonna leave me in the airlock on that one huh you're just gonna die out there like the alien did sigourney weaver she she, she was a babe but she had a tiny little booty man i'll tell you still still is a babe yeah, she she's is. still a babe yeah she she looks good for her age for sure objectively i find her attractive <laughs> I would kiss her face. Yeah, that was a weird robotic way to say that, huh? I, I don't know what I was like. All right, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna stop talking now. All right, the last thing I want to talk about from this scene, right before she jettisons him out, right? Because like, I don't know, was the alien injured? Was it just sleepy? Was it like, fuck, man, I killed a bunch of people today. I am bushed. But I like, am beat. Yeah, but like, so the I. What do you guys call the little mouth within the mouth? Because I call him mouth mouth. <laughs> little mouth mouth. And I always thought it I, was like a little alien living inside the big alien. And it came out to say hi. Like when I was a little kid, mm -hmm. that's what I always thought. So now he, I just think it's pointless. Like I don't see the point of it. Seems kind of well, stupid. He, op he opens his mouth and old mouth mouth comes out and he does like a little alien yawn. And I was like, oh, him so sweepy. And then, <laughs> then I was like, oh, wait, no, he, he just viciously murdered six people. So, all right. No, I, never mind. I see it as like a, a, a symbiotic being, like it's another being inside of the big being. And the big one is just kind of like, oh, let's go to the end, boss. And then like the little guy's like, yes. <laughs> so is it like crying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like the little man, the little brain yeah. inside the big head. Yep. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about special effects. Uh, this they're this fucking movie great. Held up, they held up so Fantastic. good. Oh my goodness! I couldn't stop. I literally couldn't stop saying like, "Wow, this movie looks good." Like it looks beautiful. It doesn't make uh, any sense for 1979. It doesn't. It just it goes to show. So like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Motel Hell have a 10 million dollar budget from 1980? Uh, today's standards, yes. 
It was uh, three point five something. So yes, it about was like 10 three. Million. It was like three, yeah, three something million. Ten million right. today. And and this movie had uh, forty two million was, today. Forty two. So with four times the budget, which seems like a lot, but honestly, in today's standards, it is none dollars compared to the three to you know eight hundred million dollar movies that come out that are like meh at best. This movie had some special effects, my man. Like this was some good stuff. You know, man, Uh, I'm not going to we're not going to excuse Motel Hell at all, because in just (laughs) one year later or two years later, sorry, the Evil Dead came out and the budget for that was like three hundred fifty or three hundred seventy five thousand dollars. Like, come on. Right. Nothing. It's none dollars. And, you know, I I said the same thing when I was uh, talking to Carmelo about this was which was it's. For for becoming like a staple of the horror film genre, regardless of the amount of money that was spent on this movie, it, you know you, you, it's good. Like it's just a good movie, and it it holds up so well, even to the today's standards. Like I I was in wonder and awe as I was watching some of these scenes as as they like walk into like the the alien compound and you see that I forgot how like I mean it's been if I've ever actually watched this whole movie is one thing, but uh, beyond that, uh, just certain scenes of this film have obviously popped up in like pop culture and everything this this movie like watching the scenes like when they walk into the, the 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 like i said the compound before they go into the whole thing before the egg scene and everything i was like holy hell i want to know more i tell give me more and and they did but like i don't know man it held up really well yeah they they did a good job with like that sense of wonder with like oh my gosh what is what more is there to this whole thing in space what more is there to these xenomorphs these alien creatures what else is there i think um the alien was done well right it's an iconic look um it could have been absolutely butchered but i really think ridley scott as a director his style is just so polished and everything that he started with this movie and what it ended up becoming is still very true to form like from the movies we see now, it's you can still reference back to as early as this movie, and it's still everything still kind of fits within the genre. That sort of cool exo reptilian look of the alien, though, is just amazing. How they came to that, they made it all a practical effect. It transitioned well as uh, the technology um, improved uh, throughout the years, so they could do more with uh, you know special effects. Um, but the look. The initial look could have been so bad and ruined the entire franchise, but it was fantastic. And I personally think that's why it lasted so long. I think one of the things that gave it a sense of realism was like that dissection scene where like they actually finally cut open the the face hugger and you could see like it has like like an anatomy and like they're like messing with it. They're kind sure. of like they're kind of like shuffling through it's like lungs or whatever it is. Like it's, it's amazing. Like that part sticks with me a lot too. Well, I think the key that made the alien translate so well and made it hold up so well is because for the majority of the movie, it is shrouded in darkness and you don't see the full brunt of it until very late in the movie because very easily if this was like, and the ship was dark. So if it was a well-lit ship and that ant, that sterile, like all white ships in a lot of space movies today, it would have looked ridiculous and out of place with like a the dark alien 
you don't see it the whole movie. That's what kind of the mystery of it's added to it a lot. Yeah, a hundred percent. The 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 scenes the scenes in this film just it, they make they make they do a good job. It's unfortunate that there's like not a lot of words you can put towards it besides the fact that it it does like we said define a genre that would eventually come about and define a, a an entire series like the Alien series just continues to be or at least up until it got a little ridiculous at some point but like it, it continued to be a, a pretty dominant uh series and it it just doesn't beat this this first movie it's just it's just good um i will say that just to bleed into it the uh sound and music i guess we'll go into the next part I mean, oh you know what before we go there i'll just say the uh we don't usually try to if the acting feels awkward and stupid we'll make fun of the people as we go through it but i think it's it's something else to say that the acting was just uh it, it it was it was i i would say it was it was above average for a film that just started out and and uh, for for its and yeah i would say honestly for its uh its cost as well i, I don't know about you guys but I, I felt like it was pretty good like above above beyond and what we usually i mean definitely what we usually do but on this podcast but in a lot of movies even of its time it, the acting was still pretty solid in in like a weird genre that nobody had really poked at couldn't agree more um and I mean, this is also the time where like, it was kind of like the cinematic space race, right? So like you had the real space race yeah. going on, but like everyone was trying to make space movies that were relevant. Yeah. But I, I think one of the things that really comes through as most impressive is like the dialect. Um, and so going back to like the acting, it's the delivery of the dialect. But back to the bleeps and bloops, though. Like it doesn't, it's not like, well, you know, raise the transponders and, you know, let's fire the chrysanthemum yeah. crystal. You know what I mean? Like it all seemed, it's, it's just a big moving industrial ship, right? The, the terminology and everything seemed natural and their, um, their ability to kind of express that through their acting, it, it made it watchable, you know, it's palatable from an audience standpoint. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, it, it, we we don't we don't give enough credence and enough like praise to some to actually good acting because when we actually see it it just becomes like normal right and we're like well yeah of course this movie did well because it's just that the actors weren't reading their lines off a piece of paper but like th- there's a difference between it was digestible and objectively good and this film even though it was still outside of you know, like you said, like exactly as you said, Jarvis, it, it's the space race of these films in space. And there's a thousand films in this time period that are, that are exactly that or, or just bad bleep boops. And oh, we've, we've got to go to hyperspace, Captain. And it's like, all right, sure, whatever. And then you have this, which is like, it's a feasible real life. Uh, we got to get off the, the working truck because the boss said so. And we got to get down and we got to do the work and we got to go back to work. And the contract says that, you know, like the, the the writing was good. The actors portrayed it well. And I think that this this movie uh, really enjoyed itself. And I think that it really does help the audience really feel involved in this thing. But when you can kind of relate it, it's space bureaucracy down to like actual uh work life bureaucracy of like you know we've got to follow the procedures boss and it's like okay um but yeah uh i i think this movie did a good job at that and that that bleeds in with with my next thing which is you know the sound and sound of music how do you guys feel about sound of music 
Uh, I think this movie used silence more than anything, very effectively. Every like scene when you the alien is somewhere hidden in the shadows, it's pretty much dead silent. And it's so tense and just so unnerving, just waiting for something to happen. I think that does way better than any kind of use of sound. Yeah, hundred percent. And and when they actually do throw in some music, I'm I'm looking at the um, I'm looking at some some information on that. And uh, Goldsmith, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, who who conducted uh, or who composed this thing, and then it was conducted by Lionel Newman. Uh, Goldsmith said, uh, it, "It's obvious you want weird and strange, um, and you know everybody loved it. So like it, it, the idea is you, you just want it." They wanted it weird. They wanted it strange, and they 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 played with the music when it was there. But as you said, it was you know it was dark. It was silent. It was uh, silent when it needed to be, and then music when it had to be. I guess so. Um, very cool. Um, I think it was a good use. It, it did when it doesn't pull you out and it actually sucks you in as good music, and that that's where I think that we we forget to um, again that it's <laughs> when we do. Time after time and time, uh, bad, 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 bad movies. And then we come to a good one. We forget the reason why they were bad. And then we're just like, oh, thank goodness a good movie exists out there that's in the horror genre that actually has some some spooks, some, um, uh, you know, a, a couple jump scares, a couple of like actual dread, like a couple things that go through and, and then continue on. Um, it's we hard not to that. be overly ingratiating I know, like the movies exactly. that we're so that we love <laughs> because we're just so used to tearing them to shreds. Uh-huh. It, it it's unfortunate because like you, you wanna you wanna be like, well, it was the 80s, so the, the, the special effects were bad and the music was no, it but it's it held up because they spent ten extra minutes finding somebody to do good stuff, and then yeah, then you get a good movie. So But this know. was the nineteen eighties. People didn't even know how cameras worked. They just they just pointed at each other and saw what happened. Except except apparently they did know how with like, uh, like uh, another I'll, thousand bucks you could I'll figure you could find somebody the who figured majority it out. Majority of the movies we've done prove that statement very differently. Fair enough. And this wasn't the eighties technically; it was seventy nine. So um, it proves all of our uh, our points false. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's cool. I, th- I think we can move on from here uh, unless anybody has anything else. But uh, if not, then Dan, do you happen to have any? Um, I'm interested to hear what your spoopy meter is for this one. It has to be a respectable one because it's such a good movie. Um, so <clears throat> if you weren't aware, there are eight movies in this franchise, um, including like Aliens, Alien versus Predator, Prometheus. There are a bunch of different movies. But there's eight movies. So after watching this, how inspired, how many movies are you inspired to watch in this series? Zero to eight. Ooh, fun. I would say, so I I, I feel like I want to just, I want to redesign the original spoop meter to, to help me say like, am I engrossed or am I, um, Am I actually scared or horrified or whatever it is? But I don't want to do that. So actual horror, I I watched this midday. It was this time period. I knew kind of what I was getting into. I don't think I got a lot. I think I got a couple jump scare, maybe a jump scare or two, right? Like the um, there there were a couple that were planted exactly where they needed to be, and and it, 
and it showed and like I kind of jumped a little, but I'd give that probably a, a three out of eight, I guess. But for my overall enjoyment, I would say it, it left me it did exactly what I want a movie to do, which is I want it to leave me wanting just a little bit more. Um, and I think that gives me like a good t- a seven out of eight movies. I would not say that I would watch all seven out of eight movies, but if I watched one, it would be this one for sure. Um, uh, it's just, you know, it, it's a good movie that everything holds up. And like we said, it's, it's fun. And I think if you want to want to watch uh, Sigourney Weaver do her, her thing, um, this is the movie. <laughs> it It was fun. So that's me seven out of eight for overall. Uh, um, I don't have a whole lot to say about it just because I I love this movie. Um, I feel the same way with like the horror aspect, Kyle. Like, yeah, a couple of decent jump scares, but um, I'll give it I'll give it four out of eight movies for that one, just because the the just the darkness and the silence of it like did have me on edge a couple of times, and it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. But overall. I really enjoy this movie. I love like the series that this created. I'll, I, I will give it that as it went on, some of them became a lot more action oriented than horror oriented, which is fine because they, they still kind of worked in their own way. Especially since the, the sequel wasn't Ridley Scott. It was James Cameron and you know, two different directors, but I love the atmosphere of this movie. The special effects are great. They still hold up, you know, decades later. Sigourney Reaver is fantastic in these movies. Um, I love the aliens themselves. I always thought they were creepy as shit. Um, so overall, yeah, I'm also going to give about a, a seven, seven and a half movies out of eight. So spoopy wise, this movie was very tense. It did have a lot of, jump scares and just the world building on it was fantastic. It always kept you on the edge of your seat, just trying to like look behind the person on the screen to see what was behind them or creeping up on them. So for overall atmosphere alone, I would give this five out of eight on that scale. Overall as a movie, this is one of my favorite movies. I just love futuristic space movies in general. I would give this seven out of eight on the scale. So another high ranking, uh, Scorny Weaver, like Chris said, is perfect in this role. She's one of the few characters at this time. Who's like a strong, independent, assertive woman, which was uncommon for women at this time in movies. Uh, I would definitely say if you like this movie, check out aliens, the sequel, uh, some people say that it's actually better than Alien. I still like the original better. I mean, other sequels that were incredible that something out shown the originals like Godfather 2, Son of the Mask, Joe Dirt 2, and just all of those sequels are amazing. Check them out. I don't have much to say, man. I think we, we covered all of it. I mean... Uh, th- th- there, there are scenes that are timeless. There's so much of this that is just timeless. I'm, I'm so happy that it took a non-sterilized approach to space. Um, it took more of the 
um, capitalistic venture type sort of a uh, sort of tempo to it. Um, it's just good. It's just good, right? That really just kind of fits the bill. Um, I think the occupation of Cain set that slow, deliberate pacing, uh, and it gave us time to learn about the creature. Like we learned about the anatomy, um, and it, the universe that it became like it, it, I like that we got such an early look at it and they were deliberate in that, uh, even in this first movie. So, uh, I'll, I won't go far away from you guys. Um, seven out of eight, uh, for my overall, uh, spoof, probably, probably closer to like a three or four. Um, but I think that's just kind of, that comes with the times. Um, but, but yeah, overall, definitely a seven out of eight. And yeah, I feel kind of the same. Um, it's in terms of scary. I try to put myself in the spot of like, where would I be if I watched this for the first time and I didn't know anything. And like, even knowing all the things I knew, I was still got scared. So I, I'm going to give it like a six or a seven out of eight for the spoopy, just because I think if I watch this for the first time in a dark movie theater with all that silence and intensity and anxiety running through, um, I, I, I think it would honestly scare me and get me to jump a lot so i'll give it like a five or six somewhere i guess that would be a 5.5 technically um math is fun um in terms of overall movie uh, i'm gonna give it yeah i'm gonna give it a seven out of eight i i would i would watch uh, i don't know why i squeaked on that but I, <laughs> i'm gonna give it a seven out of eight i would definitely watch at least seven of the movies after this but i'd probably ultimately feel like they got way too action oriented because um, not so fun fact or interesting fact, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because it's my turn to talk, damn it. But the first alien movie that I watched was Alien versus Predator. And I loved that movie. I saw it like three times in a the movie theater. So there you go. Uh, seven out of eight. Boom. Done. All right. Yeah. Do you mean you didn't go back in time and watch the original aliens in theater? No, but I also didn't feel compelled to watch any of the alien movies because I was a Predator fan. Oh, Yo, Predator right. 2 was my jam, and that's the worst one by far. It, if it bleeds, <laughs> we can kill it. I mean, it does make sense because if there's anything I know about Dan, he's a Predator. <laughs> that's my favorite team. It's the Predators. He's a Predator. Predator. I'm not going to ever let you forget that you said that. My favorite Anytime. team? The Nashville Predators. <laughs> but you were a Boston Bruins fan. That's true. I am a Boston Bruins fan. Never mind. I can't. I was trying to go with the joke. I was trying to like lean into it. See, he was just Jarvis. trying to lean into Mike's terrible joke. Yeah, I was just uh, trying to give it to him. If you well, know what I mean. The problem is that the, the, the yeah, Bruins are all Predators, good. so it's okay. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hockey. Am I right, guys? We're all sportsmen um slap shots and goalies and stuff they have ice they, they have to go into timeout sometimes ice is <laughs> nice <laughs> um yeah i i don't think we have anything else to say go watch this movie if you haven't yet it holds up so fantastically well please do it for you for me for us uh speaking of us find us on instagram find us on facebook find us on uh Google Gmail. I mean, you, you could probably hang out with us, but we probably won't respond to it. Um, 
I will say that uh, I really appreciate Travis Kaiser really going through and editing out all of Jarvis's grunts and and the loogie noises. Uh, I want to thank um, I want to thank Andrew Cavanaugh for our intro and outro music. I want to thank Connor McLeod for our artwork. And you can find all of our info and all of their info instead of our podcast description. You downloaded us. It's your fault. You go look at it. And uh, uh, Chris, um, what would you like to tell all the facehuggers in our podcast group? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. They move into the infirmary in, oh my God.